0: Is
1: listening, Dave.
0: <clears throat> what you want to talk about?
1: Well, you got to teach me what Christopher Langham means when he says uh, anything, because because <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to several of his interviews, and good God Almighty, that dude is just. I know fuck. you have
0: to do your you have to do your homework and all and like, God, man. So many fields of expertise, you know, like Mm. mathematics and uh, computation, uh, like the philosophy of science, which is, uh, I mean, that's a whole like kind of antagonistic field in itself just because of science wants to divorce itself from philosophy and psychology, you know,
1: Mm Let's start with what the CTMU stands
0: for. That's the cognitive theory of what? It's the cognitive theoretic mm-hmm. model of the universe. Let me tell you about my history with learning the, who Chris Lang and all this, okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, one time before I was about to go on a road trip from Birmingham up to Illinois, and back Mm -hmm. i uh i wanted something to listen to on the road like an audio book or something yeah well back then man you remember you could go into the mall and they would have a bookstore in the mall right yeah little bookstore i can't remember the names of those bookstores books a million something like that
1: books a million has been gone for a minute but
0: yeah that's what I mean. They're out of business now, but they used to be in malls all over the United States. Yeah. yeah. Just a tiny little bookstore. So, uh, I went in there and they had an audiobooks books section. This is probably in the mid nineties. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I get, uh, I get an audio book and then as I get up to the counter, there's this uh, little, uh, you know how they have impulse buying items on the yeah. counter. Yeah. It was a IQ test okay it was like on a sheet of paper and you just it was like laminated right mm-hmm. in, a, in a little card folio there you could just pick one out and it was like a dollar right right and I was like sometimes I'll be uh, this is my ex-wife yep. we were, I think we we're going to a funeral or something up there for one of her family members and so she was going to be driving a lot of the ways too. So I was like, Hey, I'll do this while I'm just sitting there, you know, riding and listening to music or whatever. And uh, turns out this self scored IQ test, which you, you did it like maybe it was two, one on the front and one on the back, and then you average them together you're supposed to time yourself. And maybe it had an answer key that was, you know, an envelope with it and you check it after you it was like an honesty thing you did Mm -hmm. with yourself right Mm -hmm. so um, turns out it was a it was a uh, recruiting it was put out by Mensa Mm -hmm. like a recruiting thing that they had done I got you all right so I didn't even know what Mensa was right so I just like took I did it and I scored it and when you open the envelope and check your results and at the bottom it kind of explains it if you score high enough, it says it's worth uh, it might be worth looking into to join MENSA if you are at this level and get officially tested, you know, and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. It's like their recruitment. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh. So I, I started just kind of like surfing the Internet about what the hell MENSA was. Now, this is the early days of surfing the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is when BB boards were big. Uh-huh. Uh, um on the internet. So um there was like virtually no social media back then, right? Yeah. So I found out a little bit about Mensa. I don't know what you know about Mensa.
1: I got a few friends yeah. that
0: are in it. And yeah, well, I'm not in Mensa. I've never joined Mensa. Mm-hmm. Mensa's like has a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. It's uh It's turned into uh, too much of a political thing. It's like the Horror uh, Writers Association that I belong to that is so political and so uh, self flagellating Mm -hmm. or self gratifying, however you want to put it. Right. Like they just, it's an organization of people who just feed each other and call it success, right? But really, it's like a subculture Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh you know what i mean i
1: know exactly what you mean
0: like it's very very insular Mm -hmm. and uh so anyway i when i uh started looking into i was like take an official iq test i didn't even know like what do you have to do to take an official iq test You know, like, like if you, I'm telling you, Tony, go get an official IQ test. Go okay. do it. All right. How, how would you go about it? Um, I mean, I would start with a Google
1: search like anybody else, I'm sure. Um, it's, it seems like. Don't,
0: no, but I mean, where would you go? Where would you think you go to get an IQ test? To get an IQ
1: test? T- oh, probably Duke or uh, some Ivy League school.
0: No, no, where you don't have to leave town, just in your neighborhood. Like, where are you going to go? Library. To- psychologist or psychiatrist okay oh,
1: okay okay okay. Uh, okay or um
0: counselors sometimes are qualified to nor you know to supervise and give them and then send the results and then they have to have a good reputation you know, of keeping the like, like this is some of the problems that's happened with iq tests over time is the uh, answers get leaked right yeah when something like the raven and they have different types, right? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm, I'm I didn't know any of this either. I'm like you. I'm like I don't fucking know where you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I started uh, researching it on Google, right? And it's yeah, you go to uh, here's another thing. They can take official, uh, like government tests you've done, like competency tests with the military, the ASVAB, uh, um it goes all the way back to like world war two and the kind of tests they were using, you know, that far back. Mm. And so others are college entrance exams or like high school, uh, you know, AC, what is it, the SATs and the yeah. ACT or whatever. Yeah. Those kind of tests. So they have all this where like Mensa will accept certain scores on some of this. Right. Mm. Well, I had just so happened that I had taken the, uh, I was trying to get into a master's program
2: because
0: mm-hmm. I I finished my uh, bachelor's degree while serving. Like it was awful. Uh, my educational path was <laughs> like, like Tony. I went okay. I first of all I started school um, a year early uh, than I should have. Mm-hmm. But both my parents worked. Man, they sent me to kinder care okay. right there in Bismarck. Okay. <laughs> right there by Bessemer Carraway, where I was born, right? Yeah. So, um, I graduated when I was 17 because I started a year early. Okay. It wasn't because I excelled, you know, at academics. I was just doing enough to get by, but. <laughs> <laughs> like most of us, yeah. But, uh,. But I did graduate at 17 and I was in a band at that time, right? I was Mm -hmm. starting to get pretty damn good on playing guitar and stuff and was in a uh, band that was actually playing gigs and stuff. So, um, I just told my parents, I was like, I I just want to take a year off and see how the music business, you know, is, and then I'll start college. Okay. And they were like. You know, they were trying to push me into going to college, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mother's like, no. No, you're going to college, whether you like it or not, or you can, you know. My mom and dad are pretty much sure you can get a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you graduated high school, boy. It's time to, to fly. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> time to launch. So the first year, man, I went to UAB. Mm-hmm. So I drive down. I it was. I don't think I went every day of the week, right? It was like a couple of days a week. I drive from Bessemer to uh, UAB Southside there, walk to a few classes. Man, I failed, right? Okay. Everything, like.
1: I can relate. I mean, but go ahead. <laughs>
0: like the classes that you they want you to take, man. Just like freaking uh pre-calculus and Mm -hmm. calculus man i've never been good at at actual doing math i'm good at math theory and reading about complex ideas related to mathematics Mm -hmm. like about boolean algebra Mm -hmm. but actually sitting down and working out some logic codes yeah man i just (laughs) i guess i could do it but man it does not sound fun yeah (laughs) it's not
1: it's not. So, I majored in chemistry, and and I struggled the whole way through it, and I don't have my degree. So, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For me, I was I was more into uh, creative things. Like, like for example, I did do really well at the philosophy. The very because you got to take a few electives too, right? Yeah. So you go to a, uh, at admissions. You got to get admitted, and you go to the 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 lady who kind of like what is it the uh registrar registrar yeah and the bursar's office and all that so they really talk you into getting you know the number of hours you need to graduate and a set amount of time and blah you know yeah. having a plan which i had none mm-hmm. i'd had like what do you want to do i'm like i want to do everything i don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i hadn't decided on the one thing i'm keeping my options open to pretty much everything so I did do really good in this philosophy class because man that was right up my alley right yeah so kind of through college like well so anyway um then my uh my parents after you know I failed the majority of the classes I would I can't remember you take like what four classes and I passed one with flying colors and made like you know, really low grades and like, I think it was like geology. Mm -hmm. I thought it sounded interesting, but man, that teacher that I had was the worst human uh, that should have never been a teacher. Right. Yeah. I just, I didn't even hardly want to go to class. (laughs) Listen to that guy (laughs) drone on about like get to the point, man. Right. Yeah make this interesting somehow but so i just didn't really pay attention and the calculus or pre-calculus or whatever it was the the guy that sat beside me in there <laughs> it's like the second class he's like hey dude you want to ditch this i got a paintball gun in the car and i was like i'm in <laughs> we drove around Southside shooting signs <laughs> <laughs> so I wound up ditching class with that dude like half the time. Just doing random things, right? Hell yeah. Like, sometimes we just go sit in the parking lot and listen to music and talk. He was like, that was funny. But, uh, so. Hold
1: on, Dave. Okay, go ahead.
0: Something cut out. I don't know. All right. Yeah. So in high school, I worked at Kmart. Uh, my parents, like if I they they were like my my mom and dad were always like they weren't my dad grew up hard. OK, right. Yeah. Like I, I guess he was dirt poor and he brought himself up to become, uh, you know, a police officer. Oh, and yeah. Then, we were talking the about it yesterday.
1: Me and my yeah. dad. My dad knew him really well. I'm sorry to hear about it. Your father passed yeah. him last year, man. I didn't know
0: that. Oh yeah. Anyway, my dad was, he was a legend, right? Yeah. In, yeah. In, in Bessemer. So I mean a legend. Yeah. Like, it's, and so I, I was never David. I was always Snuffy's son, mm-hmm. Snuffy's boy. But, Oh, so, <laughs> ain't you, ain't you like, Oh, I have I totaled my car and, uh, it rolled. I had a Datsun B210. I was coming home from Kmart one night and uh, got distracted by the car in my rear because I thought it was, uh, it's a long story. Anyway, I thought I knew the person behind me in the car right behind me. Mm-hmm. And I kept looking in the rearview mirror. And then um, this happened right over there where uh, Morgan Road Yeah. and uh, 450, you know, in Greenwood, where you get off right there on Morgan Road exit. Yeah. If you you turn back there's a road that runs right adjacent parallel to the uh, freeway for a little bit before turning back into hilltop road Mm -hmm. and that road has a sharp curve in it and i was looking in the rearview mirror when i looked up i was already going into the fence right Mm -hmm. i'd gone off the road and i had a little datson b210 man it looked (laughs) like a pill (laughs) Right. (laughs) when i jerked the wheel on that thing back onto the road it just started rolling uh, like, it just flipped it over, and it rolled. Well, it turns out the guy behind me was Roddy Howell. I don't know if you know who Roddy Howell was. He was a police officer at the uh, same time my dad was.
1: If he had a nickname, I
0: might know him. Yeah. So his son, little Rod, uh, Rod Howell, he uh, he just um, uh, he became a police officer, too. And he had a... Uh, he had a medical difficulty that he's pulled through now a transplant that mm. some you know i am going. i don't know all yeah. the details so i don't really know him that well but anyway uh, they had a fund to raise money for rod and he seems to be doing all right but uh this is his dad so his dad's passed away now but so anyway um it was him behind so he runs over there and i didn't have my seatbelt on and this was back when i was carrying a boom box with t- tapes in the car, <laughs> right? Yeah. That shit was rattling all around while I was rolling. And I, I just had my hands braced on the roof of it going, I, I just remember going, don't die. Please don't die. Please just please don't die. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and when that thing came to rest upside down in the ditch, I just fell into the roof of it. And man, I was crawling out as fast as I could because <laughs> I didn't know what that thing was going to do next. So uh, Rod run, Roddy Howard runs up and he grabs me by the shoulders and pulls me out of the car. And he's looking down at me. He's, he goes, hey, ain't you Snuffy
2: Garrett, son?
0: <laughs> I was just like, you son of a bitch. With all I'll ever be. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my old man had a uh, he had an uh a convenience store over on 4th Avenue down there. And he uh he had a arcade also. So he knew all those
0: guys. Oh yeah, cuz my dad, hey, the, um what was his name? Uh He would fix up arcade machines. He was like a wizard with uh the electronics on them. Mm-hmm. I'd have to ask uh, my dad. He'd know because yeah. Yeah, he, had... he was a character though. And that's who. So another thing about my dad was when he was, <laughs> he had a shady side. Old oh, Snuffy had a little bit of a shady. side. <laughs> 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 Just leave it at that. Gotcha. But anyway, so my uncle buddy, this is my dad's older sister. Nell mm-hmm. married Buddy Pridmore and Buddy Pridmore was, uh, he was a rough character. <laughs> okay. He was a scary man. He had been in the Navy during uh, World War II. Mm-hmm. He was big, dude. He had a big old, he had a tattoo of a naked lady on one arm and an anchor, just like yeah. stereotypical, stereotypical sailor, right? Right, right. <laughs> and he had a deep voice. And anyway, Buddy Pridmore and my dad, would they would hustle people at pool. Mm-hmm. Or, they, or, you know, they would, they would bet, they would gamble. Yeah. Like high-quality pool players in Bessemer. Yeah. So they would get into the pool machines, you know, the pool halls, and, and then win, like, all the jukeboxes and pinball machines, and then eventually those early arcade, like Pong and uh-huh. some of those games, and then the, the quarter arcade games. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish I could remember that dude's name. But he was, like... He would take those machines, and he would fix them, refurbish them, and uh, the arcades, you know, he'd come in and fix their machines and stuff. Yeah. He would actually get machines and work out deals with people to put them in places, and I mean, he was he was a businessman. So so dad, he got from him a uh, pool table, a jukebox, and put it in our basement. Mm-hmm. It was one of those jukeboxes where you'd, you know, the arm would slide down, take the 45 out, yep. and bring it back and put it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't My dad was
1: tell me about a, a character named Stud Grimes.
0: Yep. I've heard, I've heard dad talk a lot about Stud Grimes. Yep. Yep. So that man was uh, forced to be
1: reckoned with. You didn't want to be on Stud's uh, radar. He said one time he uh, somebody he got in a gunfight with one dude and um, killed him, took his body back to Roosevelt Park and hung him up for the birds to eat so everybody knew you don't fuck with stud
0: crimes. Oh, my God. Man, I'll tell you. i me tell, tell you. I'll tell you. I was telling David Humphreys the other day, these two stories about my dad. <laughs> I'll I'll add a third one. Um, Okay. So, now this is when I was in high school now, right? So, I was getting a little older and getting more wise to some of the, you know, his connections, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, um, we had a house. I mean, he had been a cop, right? Now, this is a guy who's been a cop through some Through the 60s, man. That was being a cop in Alabama through the 60s. uh, Yeah. You saw some stuff, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, let's see. uh, My uh, grandparents lived over on, uh, where my dad grew up, was over in Eastern Valley. Mm Um almost directly across the street from the neighborhood where Bo Jackson's from. Okay. Where he he grew up. Yeah. His, so, uh, my grandparents, like my grandfather worked for the railroad through the depression. Um, And it was fortunate to have a railroad job, like this is going out laying railroad or repairing it, Mm -hmm. right, hard labor. Yeah. And he had seven kids. <laughs> and they lived over there in Eastern Valley in a like a two room shack. Dad said when he was a kid the milk still came on a wagon by a horse drawn wagon down to the Eastern Valley. So <laughs> <laughs> So it was a little, they raised their own chickens and some, some, a little bit of livestock, but not really, it wasn't a farm or anything, but they, my grandparents always had chickens Man, I loved going over there and playing with their chickens, <laughs> especially when they would like get a new batch of chicks, you yeah. know, yeah. they were always fun to, to play with, but my grandfather would get mad at me and my cousin for, like, uh, chasing his chickens and stuff. Yeah. Because we, we'd try to corner them working together mm-hmm. and catch one. And he'd get so mad at us because he'd get his chickens, like, all riled up. <laughs> <laughs> well, as they had kids, instead of, you know, putting them in the, the two-room house there, they would build a little shack outside. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, like, big enough for two bunks. I mean, we're talking like maybe a six by six square room just one door that goes in, two bunks on each side, yeah and that I'm was seeing it. it okay <clears throat> so that's what Dad grew up in was one you know like that wow so he, so they were they were a little poor, yeah like and uh then in high school he started uh you know he wrote a book right. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. So he wrote his memoir before he died. Uh, the Bessemer bombing.
1: Oh, that's what my dad was talking about yesterday. But, yeah. yeah.
0: So he tells about all this in there. But he was, uh, um he started get, getting really good at basketball, right? Mm-hmm. That's what kind of made him popular around there was how good McAdory was with him on the basketball team. That's where you went to school, isn't it? Yeah, so, like, this is what's crazy. Most people, like, I think McAdory, they, they should do more with this history. It's pretty cool, actually, if you think mm-hmm. about it. Bo Jackson had all of the records. At, you know, he was Heisman like He's one, yeah. probably one of the most famous people to come out of McAdory. For they sure. renamed the field, you know, after Bo and everything. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a senior in high school, Bo came back with his Heisman in assembly and we all just gathered around and mm-hmm. you know his, I was yeah. like his younger sisters were in my uh, class ahead of me right Penny. Yeah. like just knew him right yeah and so um, but if you want to look at school records I don't know how you do that how you how far back do high school records go and do they really keep track of all that I wouldn't even know how to begin that but I believe that Macadory still Like, the basketball records at McAdory are held by my dad. Really? (laughs) The football and track records are held by Bo Jackson. Mm -hmm. And they they were born, literally, across the street from each other, almost. Wow. It's crazy, isn't it? It is nuts. And they had such different lives. Right. Wow. (laughs) Right? I mean, like, crazy. My dad... So, anyway and that house when my grandparents died my dad just bought it from his siblings mm. and then refurbished it and sell. you know like he flipped it and they didn't yeah. want him to do it but he's like what else are we going to do it's awful yeah. this it just <laughs> needs to be torn down right <laughs> don't be proud of it don't hang on to it let's just so anyway i mean the house is still there you know i i think some my sister knows the people who live there mm. um but uh We totally rebuilt that house and I had, I was his, you know, forced labor, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) child labor. No, I was like 17 years old. So uh, we're working in that house one day, right? Mm -hmm. And dad has a work truck out front and that work truck has all his tools and stuff on it. And so this is the savviness of the cop in him, right? To come up with this so fast. So these two guys start walking up to the truck and one starts coming in towards the house. And we're looking out the window watching, right? Mhm. And so they were their the ploy was these two guys, one would come up, one would go case the house. And the other one would be on the street, you know, getting ready. And if the house was clear, then they would just start taking some tools and them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the guy walking up to the house stops in the middle of the yard when he sees the two of us looking out the window. Mhm. And that guy goes, Hey, I was looking for Eddie is, uh, Eddie here. You know, he's like trying to, yeah. And my dad without missing a beat goes, Eddie's right in here. Come on in, (laughs) man. That dude took off running. (laughs) He stopped and was like, uh, he just took off running. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, um, another time, uh, it has to do with that same house. Right. So dad, eventually, he hired a guy to just do some of the work like during the week, because he was working at the coal mine at this time. Yeah. So he hired a guy during the week, and then my dad would go over there and, and do a lot of work on the weekends, or and right. I'd go help him. But So this guy ran out of money, couldn't pay some, I don't know, took some of dad's t- uh, tools, right? Yeah. And uh, of course my dad goes by there that like sees that some of the tools are missing and immediately knows, right? Uh, yeah. So he comes in the door, he goes in there and he starts putting on his shoulder holster his pistol, right? And mm-hmm. my mom's like, she's like, Snuffy, what are you going to do? He's like, I can go in to get my tools back. <laughs> Just like, you know, what do you think I'm going yeah. to do? I'm going to get my tools back. And uh, I'm like, can I come with you? <laughs> 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 He's like, no. You stay here. Well, about an hour later, he comes pulling back in, gets out, has all his tools. So I'm like, what happened? Like, tell me what happened. He's like, I just, he answered the door to a gun in his face, and I made him load my tools back in my car. <laughs> I like, you did not. He's like, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> I mean, man. So anyway, did your dad know uh, Carter Roberts ever talk about Carter Roberts? I don't know. you should ask him about there's, I there's some so there's some tales of Carter Roberts, his exploits too mm-hmm. So uh, after uh, my uncle died in Illinois under mysterious circumstances, right mm-hmm. so... He was kind of—I mean—he was kind of messed up anyway, right? He was okay. like, he's—he's he's the black sheep of the family side, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Where like all drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you, telling me some some people in my family are straight up rednecks, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> like my aunt nail—I was telling you my uncle Buddy and aunt nail. Yeah. She was like 65 years old at the time, right? Mm-hmm. I was like probably 17 she was at our house and she was just talking to mom and dad, wouldn't just talk, talk, talking and right in the middle of it. She goes, y'all got to excuse me. I smoked a joint right before I came over here. So I just can't stop talking, right?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. Um, so at my aunt Nails funeral, her daughter Charlotte was was in uh, was in jail at the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. chronically in jail her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but so John Edward, my uncle, he he was kind of like that too, right? He was yeah. always getting drunk and getting arrested, and you know, had, uh, addicted to this or that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, when he died, uh, Carter Roberts and my dad they went up to. Uh, Illinois to try to determine, like, investigate his death and try okay. to determine if he was murdered and find the murderer. I mean, they were willing to, like, I think they were going to get even, like, blood, you know, blood yeah. for blood. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> no I don't know what ever happened though. Hmm. I have no idea. Neither one of them never talked about that. Wow. I mean, try, there were some things I would try to get Dad to elaborate on. He never would, to me, even, right? Right. Get me some
2: milk, Dad.
0: Um, so anyway, those are a few stories about some of the Nice. life snuffy right there. I mean, Tony, when I was in high school, or uh, when I was a kid, I, I think that bombing happened when I was like seven or eight. Yeah. Every day, like, playing, if I was playing outside in the yard, there's just cops sitting out there in front of the house. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Put one, police protection all the time through that trial. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. That <laughs> You should read his book, man. It's What's it called? The Bessemer Bombing. Okay. He, uh, it was, uh, it's crazy as that Drake, uh, was, I don't know, I won't get into all the politics of that, but like my son, Drake went to Besson Academy
2: mm-hmm.
0: like, and he went to school with the other side, if you will, of that Okay. the guy who was actually, the, uh, when the bomb went off was injured, uh, pretty bad in it. Mm. It was the new police commissioner mm-hmm. or uh, safety commissioner? Uh-huh. So, of course, dad was like one of the prime suspects in this thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: So, uh, <clears throat> Chris Langham.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, we've gotten way off track, haven't we? That's okay. All right, it's, so it's good radio. Let's go back to uh, when I went to high school. So eventually, I quit trying to do the band thing and joined the air force. Right? Mm-hmm. I just, I just really sat down one day and go, you know what? The lifestyle, because uh, I was, uh, we were playing clubs in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Okay. Mhm. And uh, there's a Ruby Tuesday there, so I worked there too. Mhm and uh, a lot of Air Force guys from Eglin Air Force Base would come in there and I'd talk to them, right? Yeah. Cause the base was right next door. So they would come in there and hang out. And so I'm like, man, really y'all live on the beach. Like they pay you to live on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> the government, the government is paying you and letting you live on the beach while and paying you on top of that. Like, right. Yes, man. And you can choose to go do that. Like if I join, I can say I want to go to Fort Walton Beach and live on the beach, and you pay me. And they'll be like, Yep. And like, yeah, dude. <laughs> and I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and got sent to Grissom Air Force Base, Indiana, in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. <laughs> But anyway, so I went to Montevallo for a little while too. Like really? I, I did, yeah. I God would drive from that from uh, Greenwood down to Motown, down to Montevallo, and then I'd only drive down there a couple of days a week. I had some good times down in Montevallo. Mm-hmm. Me too. A little more of the drug days. Yep. Before, before I cut myself clean and went in the Air Force. I was yeah. in
1: a fraternity at Montevallo.
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh man, I got some stories about them and some fraternity. What was the fraternity on the corner that the guys were?
1: They had uh, that was, corner house. Really that was probably thing. my right near- house.
0: Pi Kappa Phi, Right there. What? Next yep, to me. The- yep, yep, yeah. so, yep, yep. So, so Mark McGuire, and I, I got some, I got some stories, man. So, can't got time for all that. though. But anyway, that's crazy. I, yeah, I've partied in there a lot of time with those mm-hmm. guys, but I never joined. They would always try to get me and Mark to join,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but we would just go party. Like, why do we need to join dude when we can come over here and party with you guys exactly. without joining? And they're like, come on, man. You know, like well, we're here now, man. We're like <laughs> members and we didn't have to pay anything. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess technically I'm one, but, um, but yeah. And, and so next door, one of the teachers lived, our, uh, speech and drama teacher.
1: Okay. And
0: well, she was pretty hippie dippy when you get stoned and party over there. She wouldn't, she wasn't too, she wouldn't overdo it. Right. Yeah. But if we like are having a party and, uh, you know, we, she's coming across, you know, to her house and we're like, Hey, uh, she's come over and t- chat and have a, you know, have a little bit of of beer or something I don't know it was nothing over the top you know yeah but she was cool so Um, it's like in uh, my cousin Philip used to get stoned with uh (laughs) McAdory for (laughs) (laughs) when they said mr. Skaggs is becoming the new principal I was like what stags this, this something's wrong in the system just
2: <laughs>
0: Nah, he's he's a really good dude let me tell you dude he saw like so we had this class first period right uh-huh. first thing in the morning so I don't think I ever did, but sometimes, like it's more frequently than me. David Humphreys would come, would get stoned before school, right? Yeah. Sometimes I would with him, but anyway, we we had that class first period, so he knew, right? He could, he was like picked up on it. He'd come over there and go, "You boys feeling all right today?" <laughs> 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 and he knew I played guitar, right, and stuff. So he and we, you know, talk about.
1: There we go. Okay, we're back. All right. <laughs> Last I heard was uh, the
0: teacher. Um, yeah. Anyway, he had seen Jimi Hendrix and uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and mm-hmm. some of these, like, really, you know, great bands that were performing at like Woodstock and stuff during that time. Mm-hmm. He's pretty cool dude, man. He... But, uh, anyway, so <clears throat> make a long story short after I joined the air force, this was, and I was, did that thing. So I was kind of, uh, I had just done my, like, I went from Montevallo to Indiana university, uh, satellite of the University of Indiana. Then Uh when I went to Offutt Air Force Base, they had a program where if you had enough college credit, you could get into an accelerated 18-month program. It's like a capstone. You have to have so many hours. And I had to clap several tests, so I just would go in and take a test and see if I passed. Like, I I just went in and took a world religion final and passed Uh it. Went in and took, took a, you know... I can't remember several different ones. I could just had learned enough myself to yeah pass it, and was able to get in. So this was in healthcare management, hospital administration, because I was a medic in the Air Force, that. right? Yeah. All right, so I got my bachelor's degree, and I tried to become an officer, and I got turned down. So I was pissed off at the Air Force, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, well. They were like, you need your master's degree to do this. I was like, I don't, I don't don't need it. I could do the job because I work in a goddamn hospital every day. (laughs) (laughs) I work in your hospital. (laughs) Like, right? I know how it works. (laughs) It's not like you're trying to get me into the air force in a hospital. I'm already here. Yeah. So anyway, um, I decided I'll just take my, I'll just go into a master's program. So I took the GMAT and uh, the my score on it was high enough to join the Triple Nine Society. Okay. And so NINS is the 98th percentile and the Triple Nine Society is probably the biggest triple, like it's 99.9% or it's one in a thousand people. Ooh. Right. Prestige. So. Yeah, now Chris Langan is obviously, you know, he's in these elite IQ groups, or he used to be. He got out of it all because he got tired of all the negativity in it, mm-hmm. even though he kind of contributed. Uh, you know, he, he's just, uh, he has a hard background, kind of like I was describing my dad, right? Where uh-huh. he... <laughs> right? <laughs> he's a no-nonsense kind of guy, so he rubs yes. a lot of people the wrong way, especially having an IQ that high. I mean, it, it's, it's
1: got, there's be you know?
0: only, there's only been a handful. Like I see high IQ people and having communicated with them for over 20 years online mm-hmm. can be very, um, uh, um, what is the word? Uh, um, when it comes to, being very specific in punctuation and all that, you know? Mm-hmm. How you use, like, never seeing somebody make a mistake in their communication online and how they, like, on, you know? Yeah. When you're typing something. People on the internet tend to cut a lot of corners in grammar and, pun- <laughs>
1: you know? Oh, I'm part of that problem.
0: But you'll see, you, you can tell a lot about somebody's IQ by how perfect their usage is yeah and there's there's only been two people that I've seen what I would call near-perfect and Mm -hmm. it's uh, Chris Langdon and his nemesis Kevin Langdon okay and he's a mathematician (laughs) from California who's like there's a whole history to these wars between these two that have been published by the the crazy shit that goes on at these high IQ levels uh between their politics and stuff okay well i didn't know all this going into it and keep in mind i am participating during this right Uh and i didn't know it so so i looked at that i was like hey i could join triple nine society i'll just do that not even bother with mensa because you have to go take uh one of their, like, I can't remember, maybe they would have taken it too. I don't, I can't remember anyway. I was just like, well, I'll just join TNS, see what happens, kind of scope it out from there. And I've been a member ever since, right? I mm-hmm. just have a lot of friend, not, not close friendships by any means. I don't even talk to any of them on the phone or anything. But mm-hmm. It's all just been like kind of online stuff, but, um, One of the first pieces like uh, BB threads I wrote, they would have them grouped by different topics, right? Yeah. Like all kinds of different topics. You could, you know, some I would never participated in, but I would participate in the ones that I felt comfortable to, right? Yeah. And at first, man, I was a little bit cocky. I will say I thought I would be all right, and they chewed me up and spit me out because these are people who, (laughs) oh, yeah, they're very, but for the most part, I mean, I, I don't think my views have changed drastically, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I'm just saying, like, not and, since I've known you, they haven't. Yeah, right. So one of the first things I wrote was on, because at the time I was kind of a, I'd I'd studied all the world religions, and I was into reading uh, quant, stuff on quantum physics and everything, mm-hmm. even the frou frou stuff, kind of like the dancing wooly masters and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. the Deepak Chopra stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, just to see what was you know they had to say and everything kind of oh, form my own opinion shit. <laughs> but yeah it, so at one point I read this guy well man I don't, I don't want to get too far off topic with this but it kind of plays into it but so basically I had formed a pantheistic worldview bottom mm-hmm. line right mm-hmm. which is kind of like um, everything is the matrix, is God, right? We're uh-huh. we, we are just living in God's simulation, uh-huh. if you will. Okay. So it's just God, you know, observing himself and creating meaning from it, right? Uh-huh. Kind of had this intuitive push towards that, right? All right. So I wrote this, uh, and I, but I, I had studied a lot of philosophy too, so I was kind of like, Quoting some of the philosophers like um, Rene Descartes and mm-hmm. um, especially uh, the Bishop uh, Berkeley. Berkeley. It looks like Berkeley, but the British pronounce it Berkeley. Okay. Right. So Bishop Barkley, who had, he's the one who's kind of like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Mm-hmm. But applied the philosophy of, it started out as the, have you ever heard of the uh, rock and the quad? Go on. Yeah. Okay, the rock and the quad is an old philosophical thing, kind of like the, uh, um, the one about the mule, the burrow. You, know, you put... You know, they have these names for these little philosophical conundrums, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right? So what Barclay was saying was that the philosophers since Kant and so you got Hume, uh, all these line of philosophers, Spinoza is another one, right? So you got these line of philosophers from René Descartes all the way up through like John Locke, mm-hmm. who kind of shaped the way we talk about the world. The the language we use, um, they've shaped how we view the world. Okay. Whether you, people know it or not, yeah, it has shaped humanity's view of the world, and that's the um, the divide between Cartesian dualism, mind and matter, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So Berkeley's answer was that, and the difference between. Um, Mind and matter kind of doesn't matter because everything is mind. It's idealism. Everything is mind. It's the mind of God. So we're all just existing in the mind of God. And he's the one who gives, sustains the matter and creates it and everything, right? All right. So um, one of his, I can't remember how, his detractors or one of his students or something Well, so, well, then what happens to the rock and the quad when nobody's there to observe it? And his answer, well, God sustains it, right? All right. But the point is, if nobody is there to witness something, does it exist? Yeah. And in what way can it be said to exist? To who? You know, like some random, when you look up at night, to the heavens you know have a good you're in a an area where there's not many uh of ground light to, yeah and you really see the heavens you know and you look at some just random star there's probably a planet out there like it seems, it seems like so much waste right yeah, yeah universe just existing out there unobserved or yeah. unexplored or all that right It's that subjective reality versus objective reality. And there's a lot of philosophical ground to cover and all that. So anyway, I kind of wrote this thing called uh, On God and Meaning. And it was kind of like some Alan Watts shit. I don't know. Like the world. (laughs) (laughs) It's very Buddhist then, you know. And the world is just... uh, an existence experiencing itself right and okay we're here to to observe it but really if you think about it we're just a part of it we're not different than it there's no it's an illusion that we're even separate in any way shape or form right uh-huh yeah it's a pretty <clears throat> crazy so um... I mean, there's a whole, like, I, I'll have to tell you sometime about this conversation I had with uh, a guy named, he, he Indian, Shashidara Shiva Shankara. He, he went by, uh, his dad came to the United States from India and became a flight surgeon. Uh-huh. And he just put on his name tag, Dr. Shiva. Everybody called him Shiva. But their last name was really Shiva Shankara. Uh-huh. And... He had four sons, and Shashi was, I think, the oldest. So it was Shashi Dara, or maybe it was three sons, Shashi Dara, Shiva Shankara. But he went by Shashi, Shashi Shiva. But man, he was, that dude was brilliant. He is brilliant. He's still a very successful guy. But Shashi wanted to become a, uh, um, a doctor like his dad, and so he was a medic with me. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of getting ready to go to you know, apply for med school and all that stuff while he was finishing up his degree in biology. Well, While he was in school, he got interested in nutrition. So he became like a man. He was a very fascinating person, but he knew his philosophy, and he had grown up Hindu. Uh-huh. And so we'd get into a lot of conversations about um where he saw problems with the hindu religion and you know yeah arguments he had with family members growing up about how some of their beliefs was just ridiculous when he <laughs> analyzed it <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the problems so they have this thing called the anatman the world soul okay And he goes but he goes but it's just like salvation it's mm-hmm. just fundamentally wrong mm-hmm. you're trying to it's so selfish you're trying to save yourself so, right Yeah, yeah that's basically a self-preservation, survival, survival. survival right. Yeah. Just pure survival. And, uh, and he, you know, he was like, saw this from the same standpoint, but for, like, I grew up Pentecostal.
1: Yeah.
0: And had come to this worldview he grew up Hindu and he explained, he goes, so all these people that are trying to become one with God, um, you know, and get salvation, He goes, all they need to do is realize that there is no such thing as them or their salvation. It's all just God doing it to himself. Hmm. Like, it's in there. They believe that, but then then they contradict themselves. Right. You know, like by being selfish again. He goes, and I try to tell them that, that they're just ultimately not even thinking in the holistic term. They're just being selfish for their own little soul yeah which is not really their soul at all it's just a part of god right (laughs) (laughs) so but anyway so i wrote this thing and uh kind of it was kind of the anthropic principle you know Mm -hmm. why do we exist well we exist because we have to exist for god to have any meaning at all otherwise it would just be a you know a dumb universe right yeah yeah. A mute, dumb universe that has nothing to say about God at all yeah. or existence even. So um, after I wrote that, somebody said, wow, you should go check out the CTMU because it sounds like that's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. you'd really dig what Chris Langan has to say about all that. Mm-hmm. And then I get there and I'm like, wow, I'm an idiot. You know, <laughs> <laughs> This guy has thought about every single aspect of this that you can even fathom. <laughs> There's no stone left unturned that this guy hasn't addressed. Right. But it did. I didn't just start reading it and understand it. I had to study. You know, I had mm-hmm. to. I had to dig into philosoph- The philosophers he talks about and some of the terminology he uses and. Um. A lot of it was like, because originally Chris called it the computational theoretic model of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then he started studying more about language and mathematics and uh, the structure of language and set theory and Boolean, you know, all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. to draw from it, especially set theory. There's a lot in there. So like the topology and mathematics of topology and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the terms he uses are his own, uh, portmanteaus that, you know, like, like for example, um, ginormous is a mm-hmm. portmanteau, of okay. gigantic and enormous. Right. Uh-huh. So he'll do that with ideas and words in very creative ways, you know, like calling information, infocognition, mm-hmm. it's. It has to be, it has to be observed or, you know, like, it has to be processed through the mental side of reality to have any meaning. Uh Ah, okay. You don't have science without scientists. Right. You don't have scientists without brains. And you don't have brains without cognitive biases and disillusions and illusions and Errors and (laughs) 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 you know, so it becomes uh, man. I don't know. Do you know much about Godel and uh, uh, the Principia Mathematica?
1: Principia Mathematica. I did, I did at one time. Um, I think I've it's been a long time.
0: Yeah, I mean these are and here's the crazy thing is I've seen him debate experts in each one of these fields. Mm-hmm. I mean that that any one of them is astonishing but across so many fields all these uh-huh. I mean, his, seriously his I don't I'm afraid people will look back and go, you know, this guy he really was brilliant. Uh-huh. Um, and we gave him a hard time about it. Uh-huh. But analyzing and finally catching up with what he was trying what he was saying i mean it's pretty amazing um but the bottom line though of it is is that um it's how theories are created you know it's not so much about all that which it definitely is but but the main thing is that to build a perfect theory that can explain all these areas and resolve all these problems across so many domains of knowledge. Yes. Yeah, to come up with a true theory of everything. This is what it looks, you know, what you come up with. Right. Is, you know, this is what it's going to look like. You can't argue with how he did it. It's that's exactly what it's going to look like. So anybody who eventually tries to do it the right way, they're just going to, well, there's the catmint. You don't need that. You got got the catmint. Like, it's crazy. Not like, the what? Okay, like the CTMU. <clears throat> and they, it's, oh, okay. The, okay. Okay. Like, for example, <laughs> think about this. When the Big Bang occurred, mm-hmm. what was the universe expanding into?
1: At the moment of.
0: As we go along now, every second of every day, what is the universe expanding into?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, that's a. Because.
0: It's so that... logical, it's, it, it's like that thing with God, you know, if God is
1: so far infinite,
0: then can God create a, a square triangle? Right. No, because that, that defies logic. It doesn't even make sense as a sentence. Mm-hmm. Well, Bertrand Russell and was it Alfred North Whitehead or something like that. They were the mathematicians in England who were trying to. They are the ones who created logic, the, you know, the field of mathematical logic, and lo, you know, almost. I mean, it began with Leibniz and uh, uh, yeah, um, Isaac Newton. Mm-hmm. But some of the symbols and everything, how the how mathematicians. Uh, but the, but sentential logic and actually the mathematics of creating logical statements, right? If-then uh-huh. statements and uh-huh, all that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That was um, Bertrand Russell and Alfred that made the uh, Principia Mathematica, right? Okay. I mean, it's volumes and volumes of beginning with first principles. And they kind of use an axiomatic method. Uh, I mean, they're, like they're... They wanted to do what Pythagoras did for basic geometry with Mm -hmm. all of mathematics, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Build it up step by step by step by step. And then Godel came along and wrote um, his paper where he took it and proved a ridiculous statement in it. And Mm -hmm. that's created... Godel's theorem. You know, like you can't have, um, I, mean, I kind of had to paraphrase it. What is it? I can't remember the, the actual statement, but any sufficiently incomplete system or, or in, a sufficiently complete system that is shown to be, I can't remember the whole thing, but basically, you can't take. A, you just can't do it. do it by do it. The process of doing it leads to the ability to make statements that are self-referential. Okay. And when you start making self-referential statements, that you're getting, you know, it's circular. Yeah, and then when you do that in computers, it runs into the halting problem. Yeah. Where it gets stuck in a loop. Yeah. Just playing over and over. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like. Um, this statement is uh, uh, like this statement is false. Is that one? Yeah. Or if it's true, it's false. And if it's false, it's true. You know, it's self-referential. Mm-hmm. So, you, when you get into how you build a theory of everything that explains both the um, mental and physical sides of reality yeah
1: <clears throat> so what's, that's why I, what's different about his theory of everything and Hawking's theory of everything
0: see I don't think Hawking's like that's a different kind of toe than physics so that that's kind of one of the points see that's one of the problems science says a theory of everything is trying to find the fundamental you know Particles of that govern how the universe works, uh-huh. but that doesn't explain mind. How does that explain, um, you know, social phenomena, psychology? Um, right. They can't predict that shit. Yeah. There's no formula you could use to 100% predict how intelligent organisms are going to behave. Right. <laughs> what have they really told us about the human mind? How does it you know what have they told us? They can't even identify how where and how thoughts themselves are stored, right? right? They can't reproduce a vivid thought synthetically
1: <laughs>
0: right yeah. yeah, yeah No, no that's, that's heres here's one of the funny ways I saw it. so. Every okay now in in physics they want to get down to you know narrow it down right Uh to the most fundamental solutions Uh so like quantum uh, physics builds on to uh, uh, chemistry chemistry biology you know but. But where does all the psychology and sociology and all that intelligent design and all that kind of stuff, you know, intelligent behaviors, where does that come into all that? Well, when you look at those fields, they're called the soft sciences. Yeah. And in the soft sciences, uh, it's not so much science, uh, rigorous science. It's more, you know, hippie-ish. Yeah. They're not real scientists. (laughs) So those soft scientists, man... They are bound and determined to remind everybody. And oh, the biggest feather in their cap was uh, was when they started using MRIs and you know brain scan techniques. Mm-hmm. To oh, that revived them big time. But they don't they don't reduce down to simple one you know field theories. There's a billion kinds of psychology. That's the first thing I realized. What are my courses? Oh, I got to take. Uh, Geriatric psychology, childhood psychology, behavioral psychology, a a psychology of addiction, uh, the you know this kind of psychology, that kind of. I was like, holy shit! I didn't realize there were so many psychologies. (laughs) There's no one theory of psychology, right? You got uh, even the I don't forget what it's uh, Sigmund Freud and uh, Carl Young. Yeah, and then Skinner, B.F. Skinner, um, Pavlov kind of stuff, operant behavior and all uh-huh. that kind of. Stuff. There's all these areas, right? Uh-huh. So every time a class would start, the first part of the book would, I mean it became a joke with me. I would be like, let's see what the first page is going, to how they're going to justify that they're a science. And sure <laughs> enough, that's exactly what <laughs> the book would do try to justify how it's a science where it fits in right uh that is so funny like why don't you just say "fuck you to the scientists and say we represent the mind side of reality yeah yeah and you can't explain us so we're going to explain it to you (laughs) it's just it's not how our society works it's not how people view it they're in their academia world or you know, trying to be a science. Science has been trumped so much, you know? Yeah. People I mean, a lot of the... A lot of the Renaissance... Or the... Uh, not the Renaissance, but the uh, romantic movement was a backlash against that, you know? Coming of science. uh uh-huh. But... Science won out, you know? Yeah. And now, science looks at philosophy as a joke. And but the problem is, is there's a field called the philosophy of science, which governs how science works in the largest of scopes. And what you find there is that, yes, it still comes down to a philosophy. a scientific view of the world. You know there's, 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 there's limits to it. There's problems with it like okay like here's here I'll give you two problems right off the bat the science just cannot even address number one science assumes that matter is the same you know like the laws of nature are the same everywhere hmm why why do that what's your justification for that um, how can you just make that assumption and go forward Right. Mm-hmm. who told you you could do that because you have to have a model that supports that and they're like oh the model will you know it'll show itself eventually but okay are you there yeah I'm... but uh so uh, th- these are some of the uh, okay like for example how does scientific like what is the current standard model scientific view and how does it change over time and what have you ever heard of falsificationism rings a bell if if a theory is falsifiable see that comes from the philosophers of science who have worked that stuff out Mm -hmm. and most scientists they don't even know this right they Mm -hmm. might be names they've heard of like popper thomas kuhn Mm -hmm. um you know that have worked all that stuff out but the idea of like a paradigm a zeitgeist uh some of those things and how uh, people as herd animals believe certain things right (laughs) like what is the big belief that most people have right now about you know this or that so anyway another thing is like they can't scientists just cannot even explain where the laws of nature come from
2: Uh
0: like you'll see hawking talk all about how values what they probably were working backwards to the moment but you know he talks about how time disappears but doesn't really you know what does that mean time disappears so what what kind of well then you can't have any concept of before or after at that point it's just a moment of time began suddenly and that's you know where why did laws of nature Come into being with it, and what are the laws of nature, and what where did they come from? How Mm did they pop into being to be what they are?
1: This is where we stopped last time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But those are big questions. That if the like, uh, man, I see okay, you start talking about all these different world views, and look at each one of them, you find flaws or where they lead to. Uh, logical bizarreities, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, it just can't, something's not right there, right? Something needs to explain that. Like, for example, think about this. The entire Christian religion is, most Christians would say they believe that God knows the future, knows everything. He knows, you know, what's going to happen. The end game, right? yeah He knows it. Yeah. But yet you have free will. You can choose salvation or you can choose damnation. Mm-hmm. But how do you have free will if God knows?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: I don't, th- they're, if He knows.
1: It's a classic rub. <laughs> classic rub. Yeah. I know that. Not one. only
0: that, at the moment that He created humans, at the. He knew that Adam was going to eat the apple. Mm-hmm. What a dick. Why, why would you do that? Why would you put somebody you knew to do that? You know, like, if that's what you believe, right? You just don't think about it deep enough to go, it makes no sense. Like, honestly, now that I explain it to myself this way, that, that's just crazy. I mean, that's, come on, man. There's, there's no way that God is that guy. Right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> come on, we can do better. We can come up with a better God than that. Um, it has to be something different than that. So, But yeah, they'll hold on to the beliefs, but like not realizing that once you knock out that foundation, the entire edifice crumbles. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, you can salvage things from it, right? Obviously, you, you know, like probably the best thing in the Bible is the golden rule and the Sermon on the Mount. That's, uh-huh. you know, it's just a masterpiece, right? Uh-huh. Whether I don't think Jesus probably delivered it, you know, it's not a verbatim account of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but still, the gist of probably what he said is there, and it was that. See, at the time, the Jews had gotten to the place where, kind of like society now, we, um, a lot of people, they behave better than they probably really are, right? Or they, of course, they may say they believe something, but in their heart, they. You know, might believe something else yeah maybe social pressures religious pressures whatever the case may be they're just not completely honest with himself and so like to say you know that you've ever gone a month without imagining what it would be like to just beat the shit up you know like yeah you know everybody's gonna have crazy thoughts cross their mind from time to time and just if you're a curious person you'd wonder all kind of crazy stuff right (laughs) yeah oh yeah (laughs) but you know in the Sermon on the Mountain Jesus is just saying look you can say you don't you know that you believe this but God sees your heart right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he knows what you really believe even when you're lying to yourself he knows the truth Mm -hmm. and that that kind of you know has to hold true for like god knows himself right yeah so well the if you go back to that how we're all just aspects of god like experiencing all this just everything possible i can experience but i have to start you know with the simulation like you know i can't just like jump i guess you know it doesn't speak to me like I don't like a static thing. It's more evolutionary. You Mm. know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like it's in time. It occurs in time and I don't necessarily know. All right. So this is the thing though. How much does God know of the future versus does he not know?
1: Or how much does he keep himself in the
0: dark? Well, or can he? Is it like a, like, does God really know the future Mm -hmm. like okay I mean I I don't know really know how to put it okay let's say that I'm gonna create something it's gonna be totally unique and before I even make it I know it Mm -hmm. it's not gonna alter from just kind of what I know I'm not really making it am I I mean I'm just like it's just there Mm -hmm. but if I But if i'm operating in time where i don't know the future then the mindset is well let's create something and see what we get yeah right let's see what it turns into let's see how glorious this thing can become and so i honestly believe that god is operating in time so he doesn't know so the future necessarily now the uni- how do you do that? How do you make something unknowable? You kind of make, you play uh, with randomness, right?
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. I have to keep myself in the dark about, you know, the dice, how the dice rolls. But as long as I don't know all the physics of what number it's going to come up with, it's random to me, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's just, And so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's truly <laughs> random is just one degree of complexity below, uh, I, I, what am I trying to say? You can you can fathom it up to this point, and then past that would be random. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, but I mean, what about quantum physics? What it says, like about um,
1: that God does play dice.
0: Yeah, and Einstein went to his grave never, you know, coming to grips with that. Yeah. But and so thus far, yes even grudgingly quantum physicists have to go well i just don't know it's just yeah. it's just a random spread of a wave mm-hmm. that decides to appear in some location we can't determine but even if that the, that location is so infinitely small that it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. they don't they don't tell you that when they're talking about it
2: mm-hmm.
0: like oh this is occurring at a scale so insignificant nobody should give a shit but anyway <laughs> if you're curious this is what's happening <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like you know huge differences are being made on those kind of scales but it's enough difference to show that the most bit part of nature there's randomness occurring yeah yeah which i think is all that god needs right Mm -hmm. to give it to set it off and say let's see where it goes right what evolved
1: Yeah. There I am. Tony. Yep. yep. I can hear you. Dave. Hey, hey. Hey, yo.
0: I'm about to have to get going here in a second, Same. Bro, so So I want to get, get some it.
1: of your uh, some of your music to add to the podcast.
0: Um, I don't know if I even have it. Do you not? You've submitted Here's it the, all? No. See, I I'd have to look around at files because i might those are some old Logic files, the masters of them. Uh-huh. I mean, I could probably just send you an MP3, right? Absolutely. Or I could do that. Good. Um, out of my music library. I think I can just take it and send it, right?
1: Yeah. Especially if you've got something from Al-Azif. And tell me if I'm right, if I remember this correctly, but Al-Azif is the term that was ascribed to the maddening sound of, uh, like, locusts.
0: Yeah, the insects.
1: Insects. The, okay. It's just
0: a general name of the chittering of insects or something uh-huh. like uh-huh. that. I don't know, like Al-Azif the sound of insect, like the buzz they make or something yeah but it's and crazy then, yeah
1: I, I was looking at the names and i was like oh this is this is rich this is all about the yeah net. i
0: got all those like there's there's about four different versions of the necronomicon uh-huh like that people not you know the necronomicon's not obviously not oh, real shit. but right. yeah but people have written versions of them Mm-hmm. so there's i think like four or five different versions well this one's called tyson's necronomicon okay and what he did was he took um and tried to make like a biography of uh abdul mm-hmm. al life mm-hmm. and so that's where that whole album comes from it's just kind of going through the different events in it that's told in there which is pretty cr- there's some pretty crazy stuff in that book that i thought he did a good job mm-hmm. with
1: i love reading of the exploits exploits of the uh god
0: damn it the what
1: the exploits of of the mad arab
0: yeah he uh he did a pretty good job like of him traveling all through the middle east and stuff so it's pretty cool and then like and lovecraft made up that uh Al Hazred died by uh, being yeah. shredded alive by some, <laughs> by some mysterious... invisible demon. Yeah, yeah, in the town square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Good uh, stuff. The the demons that were pretty... keeping him alive while he was writing all the tomes of. of um... Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that that was the first album I ever did. That uh, I because when I was in Iraq, I studied how to use Logic really good. Logic Pro, and mm-hmm. then. I was, uh, learning a lot about just, uh, being a producer of music. So are you
1: playing piano or are you just, um, writing scores?
0: Like most of that is all done on, off of, uh, music scores kind of stuff. Like, uh, well, not only that, it's taking a, uh, okay. So let's say for, damn it. hey okay i don't know what's going on anyway it's, it's kind of working with midi files you know yeah. You take, yeah so like if i want to do like a piano part or really like i want it to sound like a concert piano like a fast you know rachmaninoff part i don't necessarily have to score it out perfectly i can i can identify kind of what i want it to sound like maybe i want it to be in a, a moody key like a b minor you know, and I want it to have a certain sound, a running sound, like you know, something just get an idea, right? Yeah. yeah, Well then I can go into the loop library and try to listen to different piano loops until I find one similar. It doesn't have to be the same key, it just has to be kind of what I'm looking for. Well then I can import that into the my song, change the key, and start messing around with the score of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I can change it, like maybe I don't like how it doubles here, so I'll remove one of those notes and extend it, and have it, you know, just little decisions you make about the score at that point. But you can choose whether you want it to look like a music score or do you want it to look like a MIDI score, you know, which is a stack of dashes, yeah. yeah, which I like to work from that because I can visually kind of see, you know, once I get going how it kind of goes, you know. I'm not very good at reading music but i can do it <laughs> who is yeah not, nobody that i know <laughs> but i can do it you know i can it's just slower than if i am using tablature or midi score
1: oh i can oh i can read music in motion, in motion. As, long as, as long as i, long have I don't it. have to transcribe, transcribe it
0: <laughs> yeah i mean that that becomes a thing too because like it's pretty easy let's say i want to take every like, it's playing a, a minor chord. I mean, you can change the whole score to, you know, just do it. But it doesn't always get every single note right. So maybe one of the thirds is off, you know. It's changing the relationship between the notes, uh, not necessarily perfectly every time, right? And you can hear it. You'll listen back and you go, oh, something's not right there, like one of the the third is a major third instead of a minor third or something like that, you know, you, once you find it, then you can just highlight that whole line and move it a half step, and boom, it sounds right. Okay. Okay, well that so, well, sounded very good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, so and then also I was cutting and blending, a, so, uh, There's and there's a lot of different techniques I actually use on that, some of it I use DJ software
1: I heard, I heard some, of
0: some of that. I would take... Yeah, but it was not... It was also the... Uh, you could get a song going in some of those DJ apps and then you can subtly change like some of the compression and stuff on it mm-hmm. and have it transition. I don't know. I play a lot with transitions too and all the music I do. like like to have... There's
1: a new, There's a new program. program I want to get... Called it's
0: called Wizard. the MIDI Wizard. Yeah.
1: It's a, it's a random. random MIDI generator.
0: Random? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I played I don't I don't know if it was al I did that. I think it might have been the one I did after. But that's what I found was an app where you had, I, I mean, I, I could probably look on my iPad and tell you what the name of it was because I thought that was the coolest feature, man. It might take a while to find something that was that I liked, but all you could do it had little dice on it and you just press it and it just randomly generates and you could set the bars so you could it had all these parameters and once you learned how to use it it was pretty cool so you could just have it randomly generate things and i would sit there and just hit the random and play random play and then when i found one i liked or i could i could manipulate to where i liked. um i'd be oh that's it i would take and start I, I'd write down the score of it and start like kind of trying to come up with ideas to play off of it and everything. Yeah. I had a notebook of all those written down somewhere. I don't know what happened to it. Where I had transcribed them from that random thing because it didn't save them, so you had to write them down before you know or keep just playing the same one over and over and over and over.
1: Y'all get, Did y'all
0: get moved? No, we're having we're having delays. Mm-hmm. Part part of the reason is that uh, the house that we're gonna move into isn't quite finished yet. Uh, uh,
1: still, in still in Colorado?
0: Yeah, it's, it's not too far from where we're at now. It, the big it's about the same kind of house we're in now. It's just uh, new and it's on. Uh, a couple more acres of land and oh, okay. Oh, okay, so moving out from the city a little bit further to get a little bit more land nice, nice.
1: well I think, well, we, I think we got the eight. show
0: Dave alright brother sorry I talked your ear off no, sir, no sir that's <laughs> why I called you in here <laughs>
1: <laughs> enjoyed, enjoyed it, it? Glad All it. right, You're man.
0: Here. I'll talk. Yeah, we'll coordinate something uh, later on. Okay. Okay. All right. Later.